This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I'm going to bring you a message today entitled, The Image Maker. This is what the Spirit of the Lord spoke in my heart as I came in the room, still kind of fired up about the last service, said, this is what just came to me. I'm not coming out the way I went in. Somebody needs to look over at your neighbor and say that. Look at them and say, I'm not coming out the way I went in. Can you do that? Come on, you're not loud enough. Say it a little louder. I'm not coming out the way when I went in. Amen. Daniel chapter 3. Before we begin to read, Father, I ask you today that you're going to speak to us, that you're going to change us into what you want us to be. Lord, your word is alive. Let it live within us, that we would become the vessel that you have called us to be. Lord, there are people here who you sent this word for. Now, as we send it back to you, we know that it will accomplish what it's been sent out to do. In Jesus' name, Lord, let me get out of the way that we might run smack dab into Jesus. Amen. Amen. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold. I want you to notice that. He made a gold. Say that with me. He made a gold statue, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now let's skip down to verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. Now, the odds are most of you know this story, but in case you don't, this is considered one of the number four stories of all children's stories for Sunday school, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. You Google this, and it's going to come up children's story, children's story, children's story, because it's been one of those supernatural and amazing stories. I want you to understand what's happened here is they've made a decision. You know, I preached on this back in November, and when the Lord took me back to this, I found it kind of odd. And as I ministered on it back in November, I talked to you about a, a side of this I'd never seen before, that the reason he created the statue was because he had brought multiple cultures of people into one place, and they were having fights and arguments, and, and he decided that if he built this, this one God for them, that they would be united around a common religion. And so he gathered them together, and, and the message I brought you that day was standing on the answer, knowing what you believe. The Lord brought me back to this and said, focus a little further. So here in verse number 14, we begin, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I prefer their other names, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, which means strong ones of God, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up. He said, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, now I want you to notice this is where the Lord really brought me to. If you refuse, you will be, and if you don't mind underlining your scripture, underline, thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Underline blazing furnace. This is important. I've never seen this before. It's going to take a minute to set it up so you understand. But you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. 
He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Amen. When the Lord began to take me back to this place in the scripture, I said, Lord, I just preached on this. And, and thanks to some of the ladies in our church who kept a record, I know exactly the day I preached on it, on November the 13th. And I said, uh, uh, Lord, I, I just ministered on this, and, and, and it seems awful soon to go back. And he said, I want to show you something you've never seen before. How many of you realize that when you feel like you know the breadth or the width of a situation, that, that God has a way of showing you something you've never seen before? When we talk about this famed fiery furnace, most of us think of a device that, that we have to remember to change the filter in. Amen? And I thought about it earlier. I, I probably wouldn't be too worried about it being thrown in my furnace because there ain't no way I'd fit inside my furnace. Amen? All right? Uh, but that was not the case of this, fa this fiery furnace. There is nothing that implies that the furnace was there for heating purposes, which left me with a couple of questions when the Lord said, focus on the furnace. Why in the middle of this plain, around this mountainous region, this place called Dura, is there a large furnace? Lord, uh, they're not trying to heat a large city. Why in the world do they have a large furnace built here? Well, the answer is quite simple. They have gathered to worship a large, what kind of statue? Gold statue. And where did the gold come from? Well, there had to be a smelting furnace built in this region. And you have to understand what a smelting furnace was. This, this furnace was built so that they could come to the top with a very large opening that you could see down into, and they would bring ore and throw this ore into the top of this furnace. Now, the furnace was very, very high. And so let's just imagine if, if we're, I mean, I would probably not even be at the height of it up here, but they'd be way up throwing this or in as this furnace would then begin this smelting refining process of separating the gold from the ore as it would melt this and burn away the things that should not have been there then at a man's level there was a door and that they were able to walk up open the door that had these these channels that brought the gold as the gold would run down to where they could walk in and then take that that precious resource that would come out they would throw something in the fire now listen to this they they would throw something in the fire but how I many remember i'm not going out the same way that I came in. Amen. They would throw something in the fire and then they would go to the bottom, open the door and walk in where the gold would come out. This furnace, this top field furnace that the gold was collected through was there in that region. And so I had to ask the question then, why would the king choose to use the furnace as the form of punishment? It has always seemed like a convenient form of torture, right? He's, I mean, if somebody's disobeying you and you're like, hey, uh, if you don't behave, I'm going to throw you in the furnace over there, right? Amen. And that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. You know what? We got this big furnace going and we'll just, we'll just fry your tail. I mean, think about it, right? And so they're sitting there, and as I'm thinking about this, uh, I thought about it, you know, there's probably some more convenient ways to, to kill somebody if you need to kill them. But there are a couple of things to note and understand about this furnace. Why was this furnace built? It was built so that they could smelt something for the building of a big statue, which was gold. They built this to produce a golden statue. What statue did they produce it for? They produced it so that they could make a 90 foot tall, nine foot wide golden statue that they could come to worship. Now in our story here, we find that this furnace that has provided the metal for this completed statue, what kind of statue? A completed statue is sitting there. 
Now, if I'm producing a giant golden statue, the odds are I'm not going to make this statue and then immediately tell you, come on out and worship it. It's probably been a process of which I've made this statue. I have smelted gold for quite some time. It has produced somewhat of a little village around the smelting furnace. They had to build, and you can still go there today to the plain of Dura and see the large mount uh, that they built up the base for this statue. It's still standing there. I saw pictures of it. You can Google it when you get home. And, 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 and as I was looking at those things and, and seeing that, I began to realize the infrastructure they built around this. But when they built this statue, they completed the statue. And when they completed the statue and the smelting process, then there came a polishing process. After the polishing process, they probably had to build some kind of a, 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 a maybe latrines and things. How many of you have been down to the, to the Omni or not? That's gone. How many been to Phillips Arena or you've been down to Georgia Dome lately? What's all around the arena? There's places that you can go and pay $14 for a small little hot dog. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They had to build the infrastructure for thousands and thousands of people to gather around. And I said, well, the statue is done. Why would the furnace still be hot? And the only reason I could think the furnace might still be hot was maybe they were making little souvenir statues that every kid had to have. Mommy, you know how it works. Everybody's got, you're like, that's $20. And you're like, $20 for that or $20 to shut you up. I'm not real sure, but okay, let's buy it. Amen. And they're sitting there, maybe that's the only reason this furnace is still running. But the odds are the furnace had been cool for quite some time. The statue was done. The statue no longer had to be built anymore, so they would have turned the furnace off. Why keep stoking a furnace that you built to smelt gold when you've got all the gold you need? I had never thought of this before. As the Lord began to reveal to me, I thought about there had been several ways easier to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were surrounded by the king's armed guard. One whisper from him, and they would have drawn their swords, and they would have taken the heads from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's shoulders. Or in another popular form of torture, they could have used the horses in the area to go in four different directions and pull them apart. But why would they choose to use the furnace? And I know I'm giving you a lot of setup here so that you understand what I'm talking about, but I want you to understand. I believe that when you understand it, it'll bring depth to this story. A little bit of research revealed to me that the furnace was not just a convenient form of torture, but it was the preferred form of torture in this day. We see other references to the use of uh, furnaces for torture throughout Maccabees and different historical books, and then we begin to find a few references in the Word of God. A couple of references referring to the Babylonians' propensity to prefer this punishment. One specifically being found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 21 and 22. As it said to them, there will be a very popular execution for those of you who have spoken the false things of God, and Nebuchadnezzar will take you and he will throw you into the fire of the furnace while everybody's watching. So I begin to ask myself, what would account for the popularity of the furnace? Well, it was simple. This was what they understood about the furnace. And we all understand this about a smelting furnace. When you put something into the fire, only that which of value will remain. They understood that when they threw something into the fire, that the only thing that would come out would remain that was true. Now, so you understand this a little better perspective, put it in our witch trials of the 1700s here in the United States, how that they would take the women that were suspected of being witches out to the local lake. If they held you under the water for five minutes and you drowned, then you were not a witch. 
If you came up out of the water the, uh, alive, then you were a witch, so they then killed you. All right? During the Babylonian days, their preferred form of torture was this. They would want it to prove that the Babylonian society was superior to all others. They wanted to prove to you that they that their way of believing was superior to all others. So what they would do is they would bring you to the furnace and everyone could see the furnace and they would throw you in the furnace and whatever came out of the furnace was what was real. And if what was not real went in, then it would be consumed and, and, and it would be burned up and then the king would be proven to be right. So when the king looks at them, what he is actually challenging Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is saying, he says, if you refuse to bow to my will with everybody else in this new cultural shift, I'm going to bring you to the furnace and I'm going to let everybody see what you're really made of. I'm going to let everybody see what's really on the inside of you. You can either bow or you're going to have to stake your life on what you claim. And at this point, I started getting excited because it began to stir down in my spirit. So the reason for the persistence of this story and its popularity above so many others from Scripture is clear in its relevance to each generation. For you see, every generation has every character in this story again. The times may change, but the characters remain the same. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego represent the children of God who must be resolved to serve God no matter what. Do I need to say that again so everybody in the balcony understands me this time? I don't think I got one amen up there. Listen to me. The people of God have to be a people who are determined that no matter what pressures come this way, that they will still be the people of God no matter what. The idol represents the challenges, the opportunities for compromise or the cultural shifts that will test our resolve. The furnace was built to be an image maker. So in other words, in order to get you in the image of the idol, we're going to produce a situation that will cause you to be burned up if necessary so that you can be melted down and forced into the image of what we want you to be. And in case you don't understand it, we are all going to be facing image makers at one time or another in our life. The image makers will take on many forms, challenges that we cannot skirt around. A lot of times in our lives, we know there's problems and we know we need to deal with them, but as long as I can keep them at an arm's length away, it is not ruining my life. I don't really want to go there because it hurts too much. There are situations in your life that you're going to have to face. Another image maker that you're going to have to face is that there are sins that will assail you as a baited hook of temptation. Every time I think about the baited hook of sin, I think about that awful day I made a mistake and went deep sea fishing. It was hot. And then the hurricane hit. And they brought out in the middle of that hot, hot weather with that stormy, balmy weather, they brought the squid out for us. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And you put the squid on the hook and you, you throw it over there. Anytime anybody tries to eat calamari at the table with me, I get sick still to this day. I think about that, though, how the enemy will put some nasty, stinking mess. Now, I'm preaching now for a moment. I don't know a whole lot of people that have stepped out of good situations into better situations. But most of the time, I've watched a whole lot of people step out of the favor of God into a nasty, stinking mess because they saw something on a hook that they wanted. I'm preaching truth. 
They saw something they had no business going after, and they stepped out, and they traded the table. My goodness, I feel it. I don't know where this is coming from. But they traded the table that is set before you, where your cup runneth over for the yesterday's garbage that the world has to offer. And the image maker begins to change the sign of royalty into a sign of shame. And God's speaking to somebody today to say, they're going to throw you in the fire, but there's something inside of you that is greater that will come out. Amen. There are going to be cultural shifts that are going to try to pressure us into submission and silence. You can't talk about that because there's somebody's like that. Or you can't do this because they went through that themselves. Or you can't, you can't face that because they're in the middle of that. Let me tell you something. It does not matter who's there, where we've been, or what's happening in your life right now. The truth is the truth, and there is no hope unless the church rises up. Didn't Jesus say you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden? Amen. But we're afraid of facing the fire. It is still a place that will burn so hot that only that which is true and pure will last. The image maker furnaces that are trying to turn you into looking like the idols of this world are going to test your resolve. Do you really believe what you say you believe? Come on. It's awful easy. To say hallelujah when your hands are free to go up, but when they're weighted down with sin, what are you going to do? It's awful easy when everything's going good and your wallet's heavy and hurting your back. Come on now. It's awful easy to rejoice in the Lord always, but when you don't know where what you need for tomorrow is going to come from, the devil tries to hold you down, but the fire that shows up in our life will show us what's on the inside. My goodness. I'm, see, you may not like me after I say this, but, but my hope is you would go to the fire. My hope is you end up in the fire. Because in the fire, your resolve will be trusted. Are you really a true Christian? Will they see uh, what you're going to do when nobody else is looking? You'll find that in the fire. You'll find out who you are when you fail. Come on. Image makers, listen to this, the fire is going to affect you even from a distance. You don't have to go into the fire to be affected by it. What happened to the men who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in? They died. Some people are getting too close to the fire, and it's going to kill them. You'll be affected by the fire just for being near the fire. You know, a few months back, well, no, I guess it's almost a year now, maybe a year Family and I went on a vacation up to Alaska, and we, we were RVing, and, and we, we stopped at one camp, and they had this big fire that all the RVers got around and argued about politics. It was fun. Those Canadians didn't have a clue, man. But anyway, uh, we argued with them, and uh, I couldn't say that in the last service. We had Canadians in the last service. But anyway, I said, man, uh, and I'm arguing with them. We're having a good time, and, you know, it's, it was friendly banter. But uh, they were burning this Heavy odored wood. It's strong smelling wood. We got back to the RV. I just took my coat and tossed it up front where I knew I'd need it. If you ever, let me just be real plain to you. Let me, let me give you a word of knowledge right now. If you ever go to Alaska, take three coats with you, okay? You, I don't care if it's the middle of summer. Take three coats with you, amen. And so I, I only had two with me, and I said, I'm going to need that in a minute. And I, I threw it up front there and went and got in the bed. And, 
And somehow it got under something, and a couple days later I found it, and I pulled it out, and I went to put it on. And when I went to put it on, what did I smell like? The smoke of that fire. The other Saturday, and thank you, those of you that gathered and helped me burn all that stuff. We got a lot more down that needs to be burned, and we're getting ready for building the park over the hill for you guys to be able to pray and enjoy as families. And we were burning that stuff, and I got home, and Christina came up to give me a hug, and she went, oh, take that to the laundry room now. Anybody else have that problem? You stink like smoke. Listen to me. Some of you have been around the idol makers, the image makers, so closely, you don't know that you smell like smoke. It is already changing your image. Let me show you how easy it'll be. You'll hear a joke you have no business hearing, and for long you'll start to tell it. Image of the fire coming on you. Well, I want you to understand, there's only one place in this story that they did not smell like smoke. And that was in the fire. When they came out of the fire, the people, the Bible says, gathered around them and went, you're not burned, you're not hurt, and you don't even smell like us. You don't stink like smoke. I'm making sense to anybody today. If you're willing to allow God to test your resolve that no matter what situation comes into your life, you will be honest, a person of integrity, a person of character, who no matter whether or not, if it looks like you're losing or not, you will stand up for what is right. When you come out of the fire, you won't even smell like the smoke of this world. Let me tell you a story, and I didn't, didn't plan the story when I wrote the sermon. But I remember as a young man, I'd started off, you know, in high school, actually, at a company, and I, and I, and I began, they promoted me and promoted me, and finally they said, we're going to let you go into sales. And that guy said, <laughs> kind of weird, my whole life's been headed to Dawsonville. They said, we're going to give you Dawsonville. I said, all right. And they're like, they told me later, nobody does any good in Dawsonville. They said the only time, they said the only time anybody buys anything in Dawsonville is when the day Bill Elliott wins. <laughs> and they said it's been a long time since anybody bought anything in Dawsonville. And I was like, I didn't even watch NASCAR. I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. I showed up in Dawsonville. My first day I came back, I sold 11 companies. They shook their head and they said, nobody in the history of our company has ever sold anything on their first day and you sold 11 companies. I didn't tell them. I was praying the whole time. Let these heathens see what a man of God can do. Let these heathens see what a man of God can do. They made me go out to that camp off that, you know what I'm talking about up there, where they tried to recruit, recruit me. Got me all messed up already, man. I was like, I ain't coming in there. I said, hey, you want to buy anything? Hey, man, you know. It made me go out. They were trying to punish the believer. I came back. Some of you don't know what camp I'm talking about. Praise God, you don't have a clue. Amen. How did I get here? Anyways, I came back. I did so well. The boss took me in the back. And this is what he said to me. He said, Don, you, you obviously can sell. He said, you see all these desks over here? I said, yeah. You mean the scratch and dent ones we bought from such and such? He said, yeah. He said, we're going to fix all the scratches, and you're going to sell them all as brand new. You're getting promoted, and this is, your, this is what your first job is going to be here. 
you're going to sell them all as brand new. I said, well, they're not new. He said, but you're going to sell them that way if you want to work here. And I looked at him, and I said these words. I said, I will never lie for you, but I assure you, I will never lie to you either. He got spitting mad and stormed out. I was assured my job was gone, but he didn't fire me. Instead, he let me keep plodding along, keep making him money. Apparently, that was important to him. Wasn't much longer. He had a stomach aneurysm, the very same exact stomach aneurysm that killed Conway Twitty before they could get him off the stage. His office was right next to the coming hospital. They rushed him over there, rushed him quickly to Atlanta. My dad and I hopped in the truck and took off to the hospital. We walked in while they were doing life-saving surgery, and they didn't know if he was going to make it, and they said he's probably not going to survive this type of aneurysm. As he's sitting there, or as we're sitting there, we begin to pray with his family, begin to pray the power of God over his family. As we begin to pray the power of God over he and his family, God began to touch his body, and the doctor said, we don't know why he lived, but he lived. And he came up out of that hospital bed, and he came to me, and he said this. He said, Don, he said, I know what you stand for. He said this, he said, every rich millionaire friend I have did not show up. He said, but you and your daddy came and you began to pray. He said, God moved on my situation. He said, I recognize it and I confess it. I had to eventually stop going to that company because the church had grown. I was working here at that point and, and I had to stop going to that company because if I walked into the building, listen to me now, if I walked into the building and I said, man, I sure need one of those, he would have his staff loaded into my car and refuse any form of payment. I had to stop going because we had such favor in that company that he said before I left to come to the church, if you'll just stay, you can have the company. My sons don't want it. Let me tell you what could have happened. I could have said, you know what? I want to keep my job and Christine and I got to eat and we got to, we got to pay our rent. And we got to do this. And I could have said those things and I could have backed down on integrity. But when I stood through the fire, I want you to understand what I'm trying to tell you. You might go in the fire, but you're not coming out the same way you went in. When I stood through the fire of the test, God said, I'll turn it around and I'll work a miracle. And God gave me favor that still exists today. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace fully dressed. Listen, he made them put their pants on, their turbans, their robes, and their other guards. He said, get all your clothes on because we want you to burn for a while. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Verse number 24, but suddenly, not later, suddenly, the moment they hit the fire. What burns up in the fire? Only what is combustible. What remains? What was the whole test? All right, you'll either bow to my God or I'll show you who's God is superior. And suddenly the moment they hit the fire, Nebuchadnezzar jumps up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. And he says, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. 
unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth, I like the King James better, looks like the son of the living God. Listen to me today. When you make a decision, when you make a decision that you're not backing down. And just because, my goodness, young people, listen to me. Just because everybody else thinks it's cool to get shacked up does not mean you compromise. And just because everybody else thinks it's okay to get drunk and wasted because that's what all young people are doing, you don't compromise. You stand up and you declare, I will serve God and be a righteous generation. I will be a people who don't lie, don't cheat, and don't swindle the government just because times are tough. Listen to me. I'm preaching now. You might go in the fire, but you're not coming out the same way you went in. I want you to see this. God showed me this right smack dab in the middle of the last message, and it's messed up this message too. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Wait a minute. And the Lord says, amen. (laughs) They're in the fire. The moment they hit the fire, boom, they're loose. The moment they hit the fire, they see Jesus. They're walking around in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar comes up and says, hey, boys, um, you mind coming out? Have you ever thought about that? We think about them going in and we think about them coming out. But what kept them in the fire? They realized something. They may not have wanted to go where they were, but when they honored God, they found God in the middle of their fire like they could have never dreamed possible. And God said, look, hey, I'm going to show you something that's greater. You're not getting this. Isaiah said, listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, let me translate that to you to modern day English. He said, in the year my cousin who paid my salary died. He said, I was in the house of the Lord. And you know what he was doing? How am I going to live? How am I going to make it? He said, suddenly I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled. You got to understand in that time of Isaiah, every conquering king would take the train of the king that he had beaten and sew it into his train. And so Isaiah said, look, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and he showed me he's got everything under his control and he's able to meet my every need according to his riches in glory. And then what did he do? Whoa, whoa, whoa is me. I am a man of unclean. In other words, he fell down and he began to worship. I think some of us think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fire going, oh, oh, where am I? Where am I? But instead, they were looking at Jesus and the enemy said, hey, could you come out of the fire? And they had to think about it. Do I want to? The kind of gospel I'm preaching to you will bring you through the fire. The kind of gospel I'm preaching to you will make you stand in the middle of what everybody else says is a living hell on earth and you will declare, though I go to heaven, though I go here, though I go there, though I descend into hell itself, I will not fear because he is with me wheresoever I go. The Lord has been faithful and he is worthy. 
I am determined that neither height nor death nor things present nor things to come shall ever separate me from the love of God. Now, this is what the Lord showed me that I'd never seen before. I'd never seen half of this, but this one right here got me right in the middle of the last service. Holy Ghost just fell all over me, and I went, oh, I'm supposed to see that? Listen to what happened. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is verse number 26, second part, stepped out of the fire. Now, some of you don't get this yet because you don't remember what I told you in the beginning. You were still wondering whether or not I was going to make any sense today. I told you that I was not even at the height of the furnace. That they had to build these high ramparts to throw the ore in. The Bible, let's look there. It says, the bottom Sentence. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego climbed out of the fire. Is that what it says? They threw ropes into the fire to help them out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, let me out of the fire. What's the word say? They stepped. I got excited at this point. Because remember, I told you they had the large opening on the top where they put the ore in. But down on the bottom, there was a little door that they could walk up to at the height of a man that where the gold came out. And so what happens at this time is they said, hey, come out here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked up to where the gold comes out. They kicked it open. And what they were really saying was, you threw us in because you didn't know who was in control. But when I have gone through the fire, I shall come forth as pure gold. I'm coming out of this fire. I might have went in with a whole lot of junk, but I'm coming out a victor by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm coming out an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Immediately, they gathered around them. They said, you're not even burned. You, you, you don't not even a hair of your head is burned. And then they look at them and say, and you don't even smell like smoke anymore. Let me just reiterate this point to you. When they went into the fire, they stunk like smoke. They built the fire with them standing there. Am I making any sense to anybody? They built the fire. The fire was out. They built it seven times hotter. That would have taken probably hours. And the whole time they're tied up to it, they would have smelled like the world. They would have smelled like the fire. They would have smelled like the image maker. Am I making sense to anybody today? But when they walked in their resolve, they not only went into the fire, but they came out as gold. They came out a victor. They came out through the little door that showed what was true. And when they walked out, they might have went in smelling like the world, but they came out looking like the children of the most high God. You might have gone into your fire messed up. You might be where you are because you messed up and you blew up your situation. But I've come to tell you that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And if you will allow God to change your situation, you will come forth as pure gold. Deuteronomy 4 and 20. 
Remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron-smelting furnace of your bondage in Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his special possession, which you are today. Let me just explain that to you real fast. You may not want to be in the fire, but God says, I brought you out of that fire, and I'll bring you through this fire, and when we're done, you're going to know we're closer than ever before. Zechariah 13 and 9, I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and I will purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. And they will say, hey, I'll say, they're mine. And they'll say, and you're ours. How many of you know you learn in the middle of your storm who your God is and what he can do? Isaiah 43 and 2, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. As a matter of fact, you're coming out and you won't even smell the way you did when you went in. Job 23 and 10, the last thing I'll say. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Would you stand with me today? This is probably the finest sermon I've preached in a long time because I feel like an ultimate failure right now. When I preach one I like, y'all don't ever respond. I felt like a bumbling idiot in the first service and they come up and they were like, that's good. I don't know if you got it or not. I feel like an incompetent voice. But this I do know. I have obeyed the Lord today. And I have brought you a message. It says the only thing that's going to matter is what survives the fire of your life. What are you going to do tomorrow if you get a phone call that changes your life? What are you going to do tomorrow if you get a diagnosis that shakes you to your core? Scream, oh God, where are you? Why am I in this fire? Or will you begin to worship? Will you begin to declare the favor of God? Will you begin to declare that God, you are with me wherever I go? My goodness, this is what I feel right now in my spirit. There are people in here, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You've already been shaken. And when I say they didn't want to leave the fire, you don't understand it. Well, if you'd begin to just give him some praise now. You might find out why. Why don't you just begin to worship all over this place for just a moment? Why don't you begin to praise in spite of your storm? Why don't you begin to praise God for the fire you're going through? I feel the Holy Ghost. Why don't you begin to say no matter what is consumed, everything that I thought was valuable might be burned away, but me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord and we're coming forth as victorious. We will serve God. We will honor God. I will not be, I will not be defeated. I will not be destroyed. I will not go under. As for me, we're going to serve God. I right now feel like somebody may have stepped inbound, but your bonds are burning off. You're going to be liberated. Your heart has been bound by bitterness. But right now, in Jesus' name, I declare your freedom. Holy Ghost of the Most High God. I have brought your word. I am inviting them to the fire. I am inviting them to come out the little door that says I have been through the fire but God has been faithful in the middle of the fire 
you ta ta ta. Holy is the Lord. Come on, just worship a moment more. God's doing something in this place. Lord, you're good. There's some people in the fire in here. There's some people in the fire in here right now. And you need what we're about to do. You need to declare that your God's still God. You need to be able to look at your situation and say, whether he, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. Whether he delivers me or not, my answer is the same. My Lord is able. My Lord is faithful. My Lord is good because every day, every day we will declare his praise. Every day we will declare his honor. Every day we will declare that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures to the next generation and the next generation. Does anybody feel what I feel? Does anybody want to worship in spite of your storm? Does anybody want to praise in spite of your darkness? Yes. I give myself away. I'm inviting somebody to break through right now. I give myself away. I'm inviting somebody to break so through. you can use me. But God can't. I give yes, he myself can. away. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away in the middle of your fire. I give myself away so you can use me. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.